Hello, welcome to Free Will Science and Religion. I'm Chandler Klebs, and today I'm here with two new people that I've never actually talked to on Skype before, uh, Michael Laster and Nick Vale. They've both been a guest on George Ortega's show, Exploring the Illusion of Free Will. Um, and we're going to talk about what people mean by free will, uh, why they don't have it, and why it's the biggest thing ever. Nick, what's your take? First of all, thank you for having me. So free will is the idea that people will tell each other that they believe that their life is up to them, that they are the conscious first causer of their destinies and they can create you know, their lives the way they want them to turn out. That's what people mean by free will. Yeah. Michael Laster, what do you, what do you think people mean by free will? Um, very similar to what Nick said, that people believe that their conscious mind is the single factor that's responsible for their actions, uh, beliefs, and desires. Yeah, and, and the way that I would like to say it is basically that what they, are, what they are thinking, feeling, saying, doing whatever, what they call their choices, that yeah, they think that it's up to them, like it has nothing to do with where they were raised, what language they grew up speaking, what they were taught in school, by their parents, by religion, all of these things, but because people are ignorant of the causes behind their behavior, well, they just assume, hey, I just made this up ex nihilo, out of nothing. And so they think their choices are out of nothing, basically, and yet they deserve credit or blame for, for things. It, it makes no sense. So what you're, what you're saying is that everything is a conditioned response based on one's personal history. Exactly. Or, or nature or genetics. Yes. Um, nature. How, how your genetics in, interacts with your environment. Exactly. Yeah. Still everything. a condition, a condition response. Yeah. Yep. Everything gets filtered through nature or nurture. Your preferences and in, in food or 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 whatever. Um, you know, all that like stuff you're born with, plus all the experiences you've had and what you've learned. That every decision gets filtered through your entire life history and your DNA. <laughs> But people don't know that. <laughs> exactly. So let me say that like this, the interaction between nature and nurture is so complex that we don't actually, you know, we're not able to go back and see the exact cause of, say, some of our behaviors or actions. Our brain doesn't like to handle complexity. So we sort of summarize it by creating this thing called free will, um, the same way, you know, people believed in certain deities to explain the unexplained. And that, to them, is sort of the mediating factor. But exactly. it really doesn't have to be looked at that way. Yes. Like, there doesn't have to be any mediating factor. It simply is nature and nurture, um, genetics and the environment. Yeah, and when people, period, people have a problem with this concept, it. because what you're really telling people is that they have no more free will than a puppet. And they don't like to think of themselves as a, being a puppet. What do you say to those people to give them the aha moment of you don't have free will but it's not such a terrible it's not terrible news yeah here's the way i look at it because i don't have a problem with with being a puppet or as i prefer a robot because I, I think of it more like a robot type thing like a computer program that sort of thing because that's cool and i think of the way a computer pro chess program plays chess better than humans you know <laughs> and and so i think of us all as machines or programs some of us are programmed better than others because we have a different past but it's not our fault so nobody needs to feel bad about the mistakes they make and that's one of the deep understandings that helps why it benefits people to understand that they don't have a free will yeah and i'd say you know the thing that separates us from a puppet is that I mean, causally, there's not much of a difference, but of course we are conscious, whereas a puppet isn't. And to a lot of people, they'll think, well, you know, don't you think our free will comes from, um, like, the fact that we're conscious? But of course, no, it just means that um, our puppeteer is just much more complex than, like, a puppet's puppeteer. Yeah, right? and, yeah, and here's the thing. <laughs> One thing people misunderstand when that when I when I say we have no free will is they think I'm a Calvinist that I'm saying that there's this man in the sky who's 
pulling all the strings. I'm a puppet and God's pulling all the strings. But that's actually not what I'm saying at all. I'm actually saying that we're puppets with billions of strings pulled by so many different things everywhere. And that's why we're so chaotic. Now, Chandler, you asked the question, what do most people mean by the term free will? That was the question, right? It yeah. just occurred to me that most people mean that nobody forced you, no visible person had a gun to your head and forced you to do something. That's what people mean, actually. I know you're giving other things, but what they really mean is no one forced you to be here. So how would you answer that? Because if you don't physically have someone sitting here with a gun to your head, then they'll say no one's forcing you to go to church or go to the grocery store or go to the movie. You did it of your own free will because there's no no one's forcing you. You there because you're there because you want to be there. That's what people mean, actually. Right. That's what a compatibilist would say. You know, that's, well, that's what, what if I asked my mother what she meant, she would say, Well, no one's forcing me to eat dinner tonight with Ernest, and you know, no one forced me. But really the entire universe is forcing you. That's yeah. where the confusion lies. Yes. Take, for example, nobody may be holding a gun to you and telling you to eat food, but your hunger of needing to eat food to stay alive and avoid the pain of hunger is just as much, if not more so, a force compelling you to eat than a person holding a gun to your head. <laughs> so what you're saying is there's always an invisible gun to your head. <laughs> yes. Sometimes there's a visible gun to your head, but often it's no, that, invisible. <laughs> that's very, very unusual to have a physical gun to your head. It's one in a billion that, you know, you're being abducted. So that's right. very unusual. So you're saying you have an, uh, yeah, it could happen, but it's an invisible, or somebody ties you up and brings you somewhere. That would be against your will. That would obviously be not free, or you're drugged. Yeah. But most people go, go out and about without being drugged without being tied up in handcuffs and in ropes and brought somewhere else. So it looks as if they have free will because they're going out because they want to go to the movies or go to the store, but it's still not free will. So it's confusing. Yeah. And you don't, you don't choose to want to go to the movies. <laughs> you don't choose your preferences. Exactly. What most people yeah. mean, what most people mean by free will is that you weren't drugged. You weren't tied up in in a hostage situation and brought somewhere and no one coerced you by either giving putting a gun to your head or saying if you don't do this i'm going to rape your mother steal your bank account you know the, the people 99.999 percent of the time we're just going out because we want to so that's what people mean like in the case of the boston bomber they're saying that he had free will because his brother didn't force him to to do it he just influenced him yeah, yeah, and, yeah, and I and I consider yeah. that basically the ultimate nonsense <laughs> because they're missing yeah. the point. <laughs> they're missing well, the, the factors that they can't see because there's an invisible guns to their head all the time compelling them to do what they do. That's what they're missing, you know. And so, but if his bro if his brother had a literal gun to his head and said, "What's his name again?" Just I can't pronounce it, Tazarasna or something, but Do Dokar. If the, if the old Tamerlan had a, blood, blood, uh, a gun to the, to the brother's head and said, if the bomb there, I'm going to kill you, then he would get off. But it was an invisible gun to his head because he was under the influence of uh, paradise, that if he did this, he would go to paradise. Yeah. had no choice but to hate Americans and all the rest of it. Yes. Another so obviously you yeah. guys are both against the death penalty, I hope. Yeah, um, th this idea that people deserve to die, you know, is, is, is one based on retributive justice, which is so common to world religions, you know, and people's belief in free will. And the reason that people believe in free will, I think one of the reasons is they see a person do something, but because they don't see um, those invisible causes, they, they aren't experiencing the psychology of the person who's doing that act, they think it's a free will act, like, well, that person could have done otherwise. But that's only because they have a different brain, different memories, different nature and nurture, and they with their, they would have done something different in a similar situation. But in that exact situation, they would be that person in that place doing exactly what that person's doing if they had all of their life experiences and genetics. They've had their consciousness at the time. Exactly. Yeah, the consciousness, yeah.
Yeah. So this is going to come up next week. We should tell the audience we're doing this on April 11th. Next week, they're going to decide if he if this kid should get the death penalty or not. As a deterrent, you know, you want to have some you can't just have criminals going around and saying they don't have free will. So there has to be a deterrent for future would be bombers or criminals. What do you say to the jury who's deliberating on this kid's uh, life next week? You know, I, I'm against the death penalty because obviously with no free will, you got to be against the death penalty. But how would you deter another person from bombing uh, the Boston Marathon or whatever? Well, this put is him in jail forever. Yeah. You know, this is one of the biggest things that that needs to be talked about. And, and in fact, it comes up commonly because I, I, I think that I think the problem is that. You know, like I, I think that we should try to rehabilitate people if at all possible. You know, um, I don't think people should have their hand, uh, their hand cut off or tortured in some way because they don't deserve to suffer any pain. And so I think, yeah, that people should be rehabilitated. You know, I mean, obviously they need to be uh, kept away from society, locked up in, in either jail or an asylum or something if they're like dangerous, you know. And yet there's the reason that I'm against the, you know, the death penalty is because first of all, yeah, there's, there's always, you know, the idea that there's help for a person that they don't, they don't have to, um, sit, stay as screwed up and that they can recover and eventually, you know, improve and not do the same thing. Um, but then there's people who say, well, you know, some people can't be helped. Some people won't change. They can't be rehabilitated. And so, like, even though I don't like the idea of, you know, death penalty, I think if ever the death penalty is done, it should be done painlessly. It should just, you know, be done in a way with as minimal pain to the person because they don't deserve pain. And that's one of the key things of understanding is that no, no criminal who's done something bad deserves pain any more than I do, even though I haven't committed that crime because – I'm not better than them, and they're not worse than me. I understand that equality, realizing we're both machines programmed by our genetics and our environment. So, Mike, what do you think? This Boston bomber killed a whole bunch of people and, and wound people and, and had legs amputated and they're maimed for life. I mean, what do you say to those families that lost their loved ones? I think four or five people died, another 30 were you know, permanently d disfigured. Yeah, I was going to... Well, first, I'd say that any sort of retribution uh, or revenge won't bring your loved ones back. And, um, yeah, but it might deter a future bomber. I don't think so, because a lot of these people, you know, wouldn't mind being considered martyrs for their cause. And also, um, adding on what Chandler was saying, like, in addition to rehabilitation, I think we also need more prevention, uh, too. And I think one of the main causes of these things happening is just like this vengeful mindset that we have under the whole free will paradigm, um, especially due to religion. You know, think about how much uh, how many terrible things in the Old Testament are justified under, you know, you could have done otherwise, um, even though I I'm your creator, you still uh, <laughs> you know, you still did the opposite of what I want you to do. Um, whoops, but now I have to punish you. Sorry. And <laughs> even in the New Testament, which is allegedly more forgiving, I mean, eternal damnation. I mean, what could be more vengeful than that? Yeah. So, so um, I think religion is still a big factor um, in in sustaining the illusion of free will and making people not want to rethink uh, their stance on it because it uh, conflicts with their religious beliefs. Yeah, I agree with what Michael said 100% because my experience in talking about the free will topic is that the ones who are defending free will, you know, 90% of them are Christians. And that happens because there's a lot of Christians in America, and free will is like their central one of their central doctrines. It's like like challenging the Trinity, challenging the divinity of Christ. Like if you challenge free will, they they they, they don't like that. <laughs>
doesn't go over too well. No, it doesn't. <laughs> yeah, otherwise, how can you uh, justify hell? <laughs> yeah. Really? And, I, I, you... and, and I like to say, I think hell is unjustifiable anyway, even if you do believe in free will. <laughs> <laughs> Much harder if you don't. <laughs> Ow, I got a cramp. Ow, what's wrong? Ow, I got a cramp in my leg. See, that was totally... <laughs> Chandler, you used to believe in free will a few years ago, correct? That's right. <laughs> yeah. So what, since, we all believe, since we all believe in causality, what was the aha causal chain that was the tipping point for you to convert to no free will? Well, for one thing, it took me a long time to understand it. Um, because, like, I didn't quite get it. At, at first, it took a long time. You know, I, I was raised at that idea that people have free will. That was all I heard from everywhere in the culture. And but so, but I was struggling with the idea, realizing, wait, things are caused that are out of our control, and yet we make choices. Like I used to think, well, we had a limited free will or limited choice. But what? But then one day, like you know, I had been listening to George Ortega's show exploring the loser free will, and then. That I, after a while I got it. Like, wait a minute, the choices that I make, well, all of them have to have a cause. All of them have to have a reason. It's not like I, out of nothing, just a causally or magically, just pulled out a choice out of nowhere. And I'm like, so what? So I realized my life was not up to me. I realized that all it would have had to do – like say someone had kidnapped me as a baby and dropped me off on a deserted island and I never learned the English language, meaning I never I never learned how to talk English like I am with you guys now. I never would have written my books. Realizing that, yeah, if my past had been different, I would be a totally different person doing totally different things and that – it's when it hit me. It's like – Wait, to, to, to be it, to have your life be in your control, what does that mean? Because your desires, what you want, your desires, your preferences, well, that's not up to you. You want to do something, so you end up doing it. Because if you want to do something badly enough, you're going to do it unless somebody uh, stops you, you know, unless somebody else stops you from doing what you're trying to do. <laughs> mm -hmm. Very mm -hmm. predictable. <laughs> So you're saying George kind of convinced you, but what caused you to turn into to turn on George's show? Well, originally, yeah, good question. Yeah, yes, originally I had recorded like a video sa saying that God couldn't be all knowing or omniscient because humans have free will, <laughs> and and so yeah, I was uh. challenging I was challenging God's omniscience by saying, well, we have a free will, so God doesn't know what we're going to choose. So then George Ortega commented on my video <laughs> and tells me, well, this free will thing is a made-up concept by St. Augustine. And so so I found his website. I found found uh. his podcast. And so it sort of it, it, it sort of, it took off from there. And yeah, and, I, and so I started listening to his show. I read his book and was like, yeah. And so I start realizing, wait, causal or uncaused things, whether something is caused or uncaused, that doesn't allow for free will, and there also, and then also I didn't know about the unconscious. Like I didn't know about the unconscious brain, you know, um, like how, you know, your your thoughts come to you. Your stuff is processed at the level of the unconscious, and you're not aware of all the reasons. That's the whole point. We're not aware of all the exact reasons that we're doing something, and so we just think that we pulled it out of nothing <laughs> when it's really fed to us by the unconscious. Yeah. <laughs> We're all slaves to unconscious forces. Yeah. But you know what? There's no problem with that. <laughs> like, here's the deal. I think about people who are like, like scared to realize they don't have a free will and realize that in a way, like they're experiencing things, but they're not consciously making choices. Like, it's kind of a weird thing, but I don't see a problem because a lot of the time – um, people are doing what they want. Now, it's true that they didn't choose to do what they want, but they want to do something. And if they're, if they're doing what they want, they're happy. So 
that's good. The only time it's ever a problem is when what makes one person happy causes pain to somebody else. That's the only time anybody complains because when I'm watching My Little Pony or, or something or, you know, like, I mean, seriously, it makes me happy. It's not hurting anyone. So there's no problem. It, it, it makes not a difference to me that, you know, like what I what I do, like riding my bike or or watching a, a funny movie or TV show or playing playing video games or reading or writing. That it, it doesn't make any difference to me that I didn't choose to like those things because I like those things and I keep doing them because I like them. So Mike you, hasn't said much. So uh, yeah, well, let me expand on uh, the unconscious for a bit because um, causality obviously um, debunks free will, but also you know psychology and neuroscience. Uh, definitely debunk free will in their own right with the unconscious, not only because it proves that the conscious isn't completely in control, but there is literally a time gap between the time it takes for your unconscious to decide something and the time it takes to fool your conscious into thinking it was up to you the whole time, <laughs> you know? Uh, it literally, like, scientists can predict... Um, like seven seconds before you make an actual choice, what um, your action is going to be, what your behavior is going to be. And so, you know, in that seven seconds, like your, um, your conscious mind comes up with some sort of rationalization that could be like put into words as to how uh, you might respond when you're asked why you uh, chose that. Yeah. So I think if, that's like scientific proof right there that free will is literally an illusion. Yeah. And what's interesting is that most people don't know the science of this stuff. And I mean, it's, it's easy to see why. I mean, because people don't like something that goes against their beliefs. So they tend to just dis dismiss it. And I do that. I, I know everybody has that bias. Like, we believe something, and then some kind of science um, uh, experiment shows us something, but we dismiss it. Somebody says something to us, but we just dismiss it because we, we do what we want to do. We believe what we want to believe, um, and so we don't see how how stupid we are at the time. You know, we don't see that. Now, in hindsight, we look and think, "I should have listened to this person," <laughs> and that's how I feel. You know, I I feel like. Man, how did I believe that? <laughs> it's, it's, it's well, you didn't have a choice. Yeah. A, a very successful person is going to have a harder time getting it than an unsuccessful person because a very successful lawyer or doctor or politician or member of the media or any business corporate person is not going to want to admit there's no free will because somebody might say, well, you're not deserving of the praise you're getting and the profits and the salary and the lifestyle. So the media is not aligning themselves with us because they don't want to they don't want to answer questions of like, well, then everybody should be getting paid the same. Yeah. And here's where we get to the ego. So wait a second. We might be able to get we might be able to get all the homeless people and and hospital pa patients and unsuccessful down and out drug addicts to agree with us, but it's going to get very difficult to get a very successful wall street trader to agree with us. Yeah. I see your point, Nick, because the, you know, the rich, the popular, the people who are considered successful in this life, whatever successful means anyway, you know, those, those are the people. Yeah. Yeah. Those That's are the why they have a mental block towards it. Yeah. Because they want to feel like, they deserve their success. So that's right. why they're going to be resistant to it. And so I, I think, yeah, they're hard to reach. However, well, that, that's going to be the biggest problem I see going forward, other than the religious thing. But people want to take credit for their success. And then uh, they, they blame God when things go against them. And they'll say there's no free will but I do well, I have free. So there's this hypocrisy or a double talk or flip-flopping, I should say. Yeah. There's a free will, there's a free will flip-flopping epidemic going on. That's what I see. Yes, I've seen the exact same thing. And, and you know there's what? There's no consistency. There's no consistency. 
<laughs> yeah, and I've seen this. Like people do this to each other too. Like all when, day and all night. Yes. Whenever, whenever I like, that's the thing is when it, whenever one person does something and it goes their way, they're like, "Look at me, I'm great that I did this thing." And then when some something goes that's wrong, free will. That's well, they, well, free will, they, right. yeah, and then it always, yeah, then it always ends. Oh well, it's my mother's fault, or it's my father's fault, or my it's my great granddaddy's fault, or it's or it's God's fault, or, or it's something. God's will. Yeah, God's yeah. Will. yeah, yeah, and that's what's so strange about it. Like that's what they do. They do the free will flip flopping, just as you said. And I'm like, that's the biggest problem. That's the biggest yes. problem. And that I'm like, the menace to society. They just don't see it. Yeah, and this is what you were trying to point out, or what I think I pointed out um, in the Elliot Rodger special, that there's a certain hypocrisy um, in Elliot Rodgers' mind that he was like watching himself having, you know, no free will, like the world drove me to this, yet he's driven to this by anger that people, by his assumption that people are acting out of their free will. Right. Uh, I think it's a very important uh, point that, you know, people need to try and like see on, in their day-to-day -day life, like how in some instances, like you're taking the side of, uh, free will and in some instances where you want to shun the idea of free will like just so it yeah, but there's always, makes you there's look always better one, there's always one consistent thread it's when it's most convenient for you yeah. that's what I said <laughs> that's what I said whatever puts you in the most positive light that's probably what you're going to choose yeah, unless Carl you're like Chandler's, addicted uh, question of what's stopping people from getting and he was saying you know people don't like to go against their religious beliefs I think the biggest re well, that's one of them, but the other biggest reason is people want to desperately take credit for the good things and then blame God for the bad things, so they can't get it because they don't want to abandon the good things, you know, when good things happen. They don't want to, so that's a big problem. Unless, of course, you go to a homeless shelter, we can convince people easily because they're so unsuccessful. They have nothing but bad things have happened. So, but I'm worried about the population with, you know, that has the money that's successful because right. we're going to need them. We need, we, we're going to need the mainstream media. Now, the Internet media doesn't count because there's no money in it. There's no advertising dollars and it's independent media. But the mainstream media has guys who went to journalism school. They paid to go to good schools. They've been working their ass off. They started at the bottom. They worked their way up. They're at CNN. They don't want to start interviewing us and us telling them that they didn't really do anything. Yeah. 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 I also want to point out that um, narcissism is really a two-way street. It's not just about uh, taking pride in, in uh, your accomplishments or uh, the areas in life where you got lucky. Narcissism can also manifest itself in just, um, as long as there's a self that needs to be in control of things, even if it's very negative things, like even if it's guilt, remorse, uh, feelings of shame, like that's still under the free will paradigm and a lot of people are stuck in that a lot of people who are depressed are stuck in that a lot of people who are anxious are stuck in that and it still all comes from uh narcissism and it's different sides of the same coin yeah that's that's the thing is yeah i and i see why i see also what nick's saying it's going to be hard to get the mainstream media in on this it's really going to be hard and yet, yeah, and yet at a certain point, I think it can happen. For one thing, there are already some fairly famous and rich people, you know, like Sam Harris, Richard Dawkins, Jerry Coins, some of these guys, you know, who get it, you know, at least. And, the, and, and still, the very fact that, you know, um, we and other people, you know, are recording shows and that kind of stuff about this well that's obviously going to help you know the more mm -hmm. the information gets out there and remember everything started small this is true of all the religions this is true of all the political parties like everything started out small with you know one person then two people then three people and just kind of grew from there so i really think this no this no free will revolution that you know can happen it can change the world it's, it just takes time for small things to get bigger yeah yeah. yeah, it's it's like um, just like atheism, you know, yeah. it started out with the Greeks, then it was like out for a few hundred years. Yeah, then 
then it started again with Hume and maybe even Descartes. Yeah. Um, what's yeah. that? We yeah, we've been we've been talking a little bit over thirty minutes for that. So yeah. Um yeah, that's interesting. Um <laughs> what is, what's special about the thirty minutes, Mark? Well yeah. well actually, yeah, um see we um yeah, we normally limit our our shows to thirty minutes. Although there's actually no reason we have to, I suppose. Um, cause, oh, I, because yeah. on YouTube I was seeing like a few part one, part two. Well, and... oh yeah, yeah. You know what? Yeah, that's right. We could just keep going, and then if I wanted to split it up into s separate parts, I could still do that anyway. Yeah, so it doesn't matter too much anyway. Yeah, because this is so. Chandler, good. you. I... Have you been able to convince your mother or father or anybody close to you that previously believed in free will to no longer believe in free will? Have you been successful? Well, so far, I wouldn't really know if I've been that successful. Now, I did publish my book, Free Will and Abortion Denial, um, and so it ties, it ties in the abortion subject with the no free will thing. And, and my mom, you know, she's my proofreader, so she's read it a couple of times, and she liked that book. And so she, she kind of, you know, she kind of gets it. But at the same time, I see that it hasn't sunk in. Like, you know, she's still yeah. blaming people, getting really angry, saying they deserve this bad thing, you know, that sort of stuff. And she's like, but she, and she deserves credit for being a good mother, all this stuff. And so I see that, like, she sort of gets it and she enjoyed the book, but she doesn't really get that just sudden connection where I got it, you know? <laughs> I'm yeah. like, what about you? Well, first off, I have to say, I think free will is one of the most abstract philosophical concepts out there. It's not like, um, you know, is there or is there not a God or, you know, moral philosophy? Like, what's the right and wrong thing to do in this situation? Like, free will is just um, one of those things that everybody, like many people seem to believe, but there's just no, it, it's invisible. You know, there's yeah. no real um what's abstract about saying is your life up to you or not to you what's abstract about that yeah because yeah it's <laughs> because it's defining what the self is that's why it can be very difficult like oh yeah like <laughs> is whose life up to who you know they're like different selves there oh you yeah I mean? and and you know yeah. that's been, that's been a philosophical problem too for the longest time you know there's like this like there's like this soul thing, this self thing, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. is there a soul? Is there an actual self? And Who cares? You didn't get to choose your soul. You didn't get to choose what soul <laughs> yeah. you Yeah, yeah. Super Soul Sundays on the Oprah yeah. channel. And, and, you, and you know what, guys? I am not about to debate the existence of a soul or spirit with people. I'll find out after I'm dead, <laughs> you know? Or not. <laughs> yeah, or not. Yeah. Or I won't find out. Yeah, but they're using it as a reason why they have free will. They have a right. soul. It's immater right. immaterial, <laughs> and it's connected to God, and God's infinite, and God's outside space and time, and he's <laughs> exempt from causality, and that the soul is part of God, so that, you know. Right, so it doesn't change the argument at all anyway, because you don't choose the soul you get. That's you what I was telling you. Right, you, you don't choose for this. You don't choose whatever this God does that's outside of space, time, and reality, whatever. You don't choose these things, so you still don't have free will. <laughs> and you're not you're not in conscious control of your soul anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you didn't get to choose your soul. And what's kind of funny about it is that technically, like, you can't like you can't prove – and this is the problem is, like, there's certain things like what Michael Oster was saying, like, well, you know, there's cert it's, it's abstract for people. Part, you know, in a way, because like, for example, you can't prove that Santa Claus of the Tooth Fairy doesn't exist. You can't actually prove a negative. You know what right. I'm saying? And yeah. so there will always be those people who find room to claim something. And because, and because you can't disprove their a negative, they'll just say, well, I can't prove it, but you can't disprove it. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, so they exactly. do that. Yeah, but you, so you are, can't prove you can't you can't prove free will either. Exactly. Right. So yeah. they have to realize so that the brood that the burden of proof lies on them. And exactly. so the no, question, for some reason for, 
for some reason, it lies on us. It doesn't lie on that. I don't know why we got the burden of proof. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, I hear this burden of proof thing all the time because, yeah, somebody comes up with some wacky theory and says it's infallibly true. It was revealed to me by by the flying spaghetti monster or something like that. And then they and they say, that yeah, it's true. And they're like, well, I don't believe you. Um and you can't prove it. Like, yeah, but you can't disprove that the flying spaghetti monster or the invisible pink unicorn spoke to me and revealed the truth about life, death, morality, and the universe. <laughs> well, one of us is right. There's either free will or there isn't. We both can't be right. Yeah. Right? It, yeah. That's a black or white issue. Yeah. Yeah. There's the, we got to debate it out. We got to debate it out with logic. Yes. When there's two completely opposite things, it can't, you know, it can't, both can't be true. You know, two different, two different conflicting, conflicting yeah. thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. C cognitive dissonance, for example. You know, yeah. people have these contrary beliefs. Like, and here, here's the problem I have. Like, um, like I really am confused. Like, you know, the creationism evolution debate, because people try to be compatibilist about that. Like, well, uh, God, God created through evolution, so it's still got, got it's still creationism and evolution. <laughs> and, and so I hear that there's that there's that kind of yeah, there's that kind of compatibilism. And and this is and, and this is another thing that's important to me. You know, I don't know how you guys stand on this, but, you know, like with the abortion debate, like like, you know, either it's right or it's wrong. You know, and some people say, oh, there's no right or wrong. It's all relative. Whatever's, whatever you believe is moral is moral. Whatever you believe is true is true. And I'm like, but there's a cause for why they believe that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and they don't choose what they believe. So this idea that you can have a personal or subjective morality or truth is just absurd because there still has to be an objective truth um, in some sense that caused you to believe that something is moral and caused somebody else to believe it's immoral. And this no free will understanding when discussing abortion, capital punishment, assisted suicide, whatever the issue might be, the controversial issues, understanding that people don't have free will means you can discuss this peacefully without hating that other person for having a different viewpoint than you. But, but actually, right. the cause is is always the same. The cause is always your conditioned response based on your personal history going towards your personal version of more pleasure and less pain. It's always that cause that what we what George calls a hedonic. You heard him say the hedonic yeah. imperative, yes. which he thinks is a, he thinks is original. But Sigmund Freud came up with it many moons ago called the pleasure principle, so it's not that original. Yes. But then again, without free will, nothing's original. We take from others, and two plus two equals four, and we take from him. And I, in my writings, I've, I've gotten information from 10 different books, and I came up with it on my own, you know? So, <laughs> yeah. So, so, so what yeah. I'm saying is uh, George's hedonic imperative is, you know, it's, it's obviously been thought about for many thousands of years that people go towards pleasure and away from pain. We have no choice. That's really yeah. the underlying consistency of all of everything. That's yeah. the number one. You call people, uh, what you call us, robots? Yeah, I think of people as so, robots. <laughs> so we're, we're being programmed with the pleasure principle. That's yes. it. What else yeah. is there? Yeah, and, and the good thing about the pleasure principle, Nick, because that's so important. I believe that the the you know objective standard of morality is rooted in the pleasure principle that we That's all it is. Yeah, basically the reason that we say a certain act is bad or wrong is because it causes us pain. So that's the thing is you know, it, you can see like, well, why is killing bad? Why is stealing bad? Why is lying bad? All these things have been labeled as immoral, you know, the ones that people generally agree are immoral. Well, that's because it causes someone some kind of pain, some kind of displeasure, whether, you know, physical, where they feel it, you know, with their nerves, or it's an emotional or psychological type of pain. But yeah, like when someone lies to you, um, you know, and you find out that they lied to you just to, you know, trick you, you feel bad about that. That's a, then, so then that causally made me, you know, because of that kind of experience, the kind of person who think it's good to tell the truth because you hurt people when you lie to them.
So it's cause yeah. and effect. Exactly, and there's that um, you know individual sense of justice, injustice, and also um, I think there's also something collective going on when um, you know we're we're also wired for um, group survival. You know, when something influences us um, or affects us personally, like we just like reflexively react uh, from like our reptilian impulses. Whereas when something, let's say miles away, uh, like maybe someone in Texas, um, ExxonMobil fracked their wells and now they're getting sick. Like I, I get angry at ExxonMobil because I feel that sense of uh, group you know, survival. And that's something that plays a huge part in what um, objective morality is, but it also like complicates things because you have that in those individual um, impulses against those group impulses. Yes. And that's where like battles of uh, selfishness versus (laughs) altruism come into play, you know, the devil and the angel on your shoulders. Yeah. Duking it out. Yeah. And yeah, there's causes behind all these beliefs about morality. It makes sense when you look at it. And so I like to look at religious beliefs about morality and think, well, where did they get this idea? And I don't think that the reason that certain things are wrong is because some dude in the sky said it and it's written in this infallible book or something. You know, that's not that's not where I get morality. I get it from experiences like I don't like it when this is done to me. So I shouldn't be doing it to others because they won't like it. So it is the golden rule when you think about it. It is the golden rule, you know, do unto others as you would want them to do to you. And, you know, and don't do unto others what you don't want them to do to you. Yeah. Yeah. So it's simple. I think the pleasure principle is the golden rule. You're going to do whatever you predict will give you the most amount of pleasure and the least amount of pain. And the confusion is human beings are very bad at predicting. So sometimes you say, oh, no, that caused me pain. But it's only in retrospect that in hindsight you, sh- you should have done otherwise. But at the time, with the uh, information you had at the time and the, you know, the consciousness you had at the time, you predicted at that moment that that decision would give you the most amount of pleasure and less pain. So many people erroneously say, no, no, I do things that are painful, but that's not what they set out to do when they made the decision in the first place. So that's like, uh, you know, it's not fair to look at it that way, to say, well, no, I am a martyr and I sacrifice. You predicted incorrectly. That's all it means. Yeah. Yeah, And what sociopaths are, it just means that it's an imbalance of those two impulses, right? Between selfish uh, preservation and uh, group preservation. They just uh, don't have the same ratio. As the average person. Yeah, I totally they're, agree. They're, they're, they're finding pleasure in being a sociopath on some level, on psychological, emotional, mental, existential, philosophical, whatever level you want to, biological, they're getting pleasure. Yeah. yeah. Whatever yeah, level is the greatest one for their value system. Yeah, it's really... Not everybody, has, not everybody has the same pleasure principle. Some people will accept physical pain for mental, you know, for mental pleasure and vice versa. So you can... You can never tell where someone's coming from, you know, yeah. what, what's driving their behavior. Yeah, and, you know, like, the, right. basically, the, like, you know, there's the moral imperative in a sense. Like, we, because if you believe something's the right thing to do strongly enough, even if it causes you some physical pain doing so, you'll still do it because the pain of feeling like you've done the wrong thing, you know, is sometimes greater. Yeah, I've heard George talk about the moral imperative and the reason imperative. He's got a lot of imperatives, but I want you guys to understand that all imperatives are subset to the pleasure principle, which is the or hedonic imperative is yeah. everything else is underneath that because they're all uh, the pleasure principle supersedes all other imperatives. Yes. you have to yeah. go towards pleasure no matter what. Yeah, you think I, about anything. You have to, uh, you know, now. Could, could someone ever argue with you that, no, 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 I purposely seek out pain, so you guys are wrong? Can anybody make that argument? <laughs> Some, somebody um, might be crazy enough. <laughs> like no, a I think a like with the idea, with the idea um, before that, you know, you, you don't eat because you choose to eat. You choose to eat, you eat because you're hungry, and that's the gun pointed at your head, your hunger. But someone might say, 
well, actually, I want to prove these guys wrong. I'm going to starve <laughs> myself just for the sake of proving that there is such thing as free will. Well, oh, so the, ple actually, the, pleasure, the pleasure of proving us wrong is what's demanding that behavior. Yeah, yes, yeah they, yes, didn't choose, yes. they didn't choose to be rebellious like that. Exactly. No, no, the, ple the pleasure of proving Mike Chandler and Nick and George wrong is, is the gun to the head of driving their belief of the behavior that they predict will give them the most pleasure is proving us wrong. Exactly. They had no choice but to rebel, to rebel, just to, yeah. you know, be on the yeah. high ground. Yes. Yeah. Here's a funny thing. You have no choice but to do what you want. <laughs> but yeah, Nick is totally right. The pleasure principle is the superset of the other principles, the other imperatives, because if you get more pleasure out of out of starving yourself um, just to prove to, to these guys like us that you have free will, you know. That's if what's going to happen, yeah. Right. If you get more pleasure out of that or you – or That would be psychological pleasure, psychological yes. pleasure, right. Yeah, and so once again, just like, you know, um, like you may not see the psycholo psychological gun to head, just like you don't see a physical actual gun to the head. You may not realize that the pain – I mean you see somebody punched in the face or whacked with a hammer and you, and you get – yeah, you see that they're probably experiencing pain because it's – your eyes see it. You connect to it. But psychological pain, emotional pain is just as real, just as powerful in causing mm -hmm. people to do things as you know somebody getting injured in, in some way, you know, like somebody cut them or shot them or something. Right, oh, or losing money to, or any other, yeah. You guys yeah. want to talk about quantum physics? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. I got I to gotta be, on, be honest with you guys, and I don't really, I don't think I've ever admitted this. I don't really understand the quantum physics, like, whole thing with, you know, the particle and, like, uh, they can't measure. I don't give a shit. All I know is there's hidden variables not yet discovered, so it has to, you know, I'm a, it has to be deterministic. I don't need well, to be an astrophysicist or a quantum. The whole thing, you know, you could read a whole book this size, and no, it doesn't make any sense to me what right. they're even okay. talking about. Well, it's so the, simple. The way, I, the way I tackle it is that you don't even have to know about entanglement or... That's what I'm um, telling you. Yeah. yeah, all you have to realize is that, let's say, hypothetically, there is um, indeterminacy. And okay, but Mike, that, do you know what the double slit experiment is and the single slit experiment is? Do you even know what that means with wave particle duality and the Heisenberg uncertainty principle, Copenhagen yeah. interpretation? You know what I that means? Of, yeah, but you don't you have to. You sort of do. Yeah. But it you doesn't matter. To, it doesn't. Yeah. You see, yeah. It, it, All you have to realize is that indeterminacy does not create some sort of new argument for the free willers no it doesn't it because does. because even if there was a true randomness like an uncaused randomness that wouldn't give you a free will because whatever the particles whatever the tiny quantum particles uh, any part of this body here are doing i don't choose their movement i don't choose yeah. that so it doesn't matter <laughs> so are we to assume are we to assume that subatomic particles have free will I mean, what are they trying to prove by saying it's in? First of all, I want to be very clear that I don't believe in indeterminism. I don't know if I ever made that clear in my. I don't believe. I believe everything's determined. There are hidden variables not yet discovered, causing the outcomes to yeah. be, causing the results of those experiments to be what they are. The fact that they don't know why that's not that doesn't mean anything to me. So, so we don't know why a lot of things happen. We'll discover it later. You know, in the next hundred thousand yeah. years or whatever. I mean. The weather has free the will. It, the they only, only discovered the last for its quark. Unpredictability. Right. The last quark was only discovered 20 years ago, and the Higgs boson was discovered two years ago. So to assume that every discovery of subatomic particles has already been made is insane. Yeah, it is insane. And yeah, Nick, I agree with you. I don't believe in indeterminism either. I don't believe Good. in uncaused events. And, and I think George is pretty convinced of determinism too. Now, yeah, but Sam Harris does believe in randomness. Oh, I have an issue with Sam oh, Harris. I know. I've seen your 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 shows where you um, talk about his book and like, yeah, he think he believes in true randomness, and it doesn't help the free will argument anyway. I just get annoyed at people who are like, yeah, things happen for no reason whatsoever, and because yeah. my okay, part of the thing is like, 
That's Maybe the word random is a figure of speech. Maybe it doesn't really mean... It might mean, like when they say about Darwinian evolution, there was random mutation. You know, that means... I think it means unpredictable, not that it didn't happen without a cause. Right. Like if I gave you, if I gave you a deck of cards and I say take one at random, there's still a cause to which one you're picking, but quote-unquote random means you're not really thinking about it too much. Yes. and I so, don't know. Yeah, and so, yeah, if you look in dictionaries, which I have looked, you know, at randomness, chance, you know, indeterminism, I've looked these words up in the dictionaries, and often, you know, unpredictability is listed yes. as a synonym or one of the definitions. So when people talk about randomness, we have to understand that that might be what they mean that they just can't predict something. So what that means is, well, yeah, the weather is random because I can't predict it. Yeah. You know, what I'm, what I'm going to do, what the exact word I'm going to be speaking or what I'm going to be doing five minutes from now is just as random by that definition because I don't know what's going to happen. If no, I can't predict Randomness them. and probabilities, it's, they're all terms about our own ignorance on the outcome. Yeah. And right, so, so you guys yeah. agree – that there's a deterministic universe underlying the indeterministic universe of even smaller subatomic particles not yet discovered. Yeah. There's a deterministic probably. universe. Yeah. What do you mean probably? Definitely. What yeah. else could it be? Exactly. There's hidden variables. Just because we haven't figured that out doesn't mean anything to me. Of course it's true. Yeah. And and I don't yeah. and I don't think that there's a smallest particle either. Like what if it just gets smaller and smaller and smaller? Yeah, I think it might be fractalesque in that yeah, in that sense, and um, but okay, I but there's don't... a deterministic formula causing the Heisenberg. There's a, there's a deterministic reason why those wave particles look indeterministic. We just don't know what's called. Yeah, like like the word that people don't understand the word hidden. When I say there are hidden variables, the word hidden means we don't know them. It's not that yeah. difficult. I don't have to. I don't have to take the subatomic uh, quantum mechanics at, at NYU tomorrow and learn it because it doesn't mean anything to me anyway. It's not going to help anything. I agree. And where I think the key is, is to winning um, the, the no free will debate with someone who believes in um, either determinism or non-determinism um, and well, they're actually, trying to source quantum physics. Like Deepak, I, Chopra, Deepak Chopra has a thing uh, called quantum consciousness, and he'll talk yeah. in an Indian accent and say there's unlimited possibilities, nothing is written in stone, and even Mickey Okaku has that crazy. Have you ever seen Mickey Okaku? <laughs> yeah, his video says, was yeah. free will. Yeah, why uh, physics, why and, physics, why yeah, physics that ends me off. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. It's like, that's got to be... I only... <laughs> I only clicked on it because I thought he meant why physics ends the free will debate debate in my favor. I thought he meant like why physics in the yeah, and he made it why physics yeah, meaning there's no more free will debate. There is no free will. Yeah, instead he goes the other way. And he said in that video that the particle was in multiple locations at the same time. <laughs> no, then he says that bullshit. Well, how can you be sure of anything? When I look in the mirror, it's me a billionth of a second ago. I mean, he goes on and on with this crazy nonsense. <laughs> Stuff that yeah. doesn't really but, matter. <laughs> but Nick, Nick, hear me out. Like, the reason I think it doesn't matter whether someone is uh, taking a deterministic or non-deterministic stance, or specifically non-deterministic in quantum physics, we don't have to attack the absurdity of non-determinism. What we could do is tell them that free will automatically implies causality because they're claiming that they are the ones, their conscious mind is in control of um, their actions. They are the cause of their effect. Oh, and so, so they're that, the first cause, yeah. So they're yeah, free will, their own free will argument. Implies, free will implies do this to get that. You're the first domino to do this to get that. That means it's causality, right? That's if why you're the indeterminism, idea. You would do this, and you wouldn't know what would happen. You would go yeah. to school to be a doctor, and you'd end up as a Russian uh, musician or something. You mean you would end up in a completely different place than what you signed up for? Don't you hate it when That's that happens? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> even if you even if you were given a choice as the first domino, and you and you have a choice between two different sets of dominoes that you can either. Um, set off this train of dominoes or that train of dominoes since the train is infinite and you don't know what where the what those dominoes will knock over or what happens in the infinite endless causal chain on what basis would that would that decision even 
be based on but it's it's just weird but yeah it's so stupid that you know there'd still be a cause for why you would do one or the other it'd just be an unconscious you know without intention it's kind of like the card at random thing you know you, you just grab a card you know don't think about it so basically we have dominoes that aren't thinking about dominoes that are knocking over <laughs> yeah there would still be a reason why you hit the left domino or the right domino and even How if you we chose not even if you chose not to make a decision, there would still be a cause for you not making a decision. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so I, so I think like, the, you know, the word choice is sort of a misnomer. It's a figure of speech, like George says. Like, it's not like that the agent makes a choice. It's not like that, that the person makes the choice because it depends on the circumstances. And, you know, this is what's interesting because I started to get it figuring out, you know, with situational ethics, like, well, in this situation, this is the thing to do. But this situation, I would do this because it's a different situation. I was like, wait, if it's the situation that determines the action, then the situation is the chooser. <laughs> it's, so, it's so clear. It's so plain. But people don't get it. <laughs> a lot of people don't get it. People just, I, I think it's that people don't like to abstractify all the variables that make it so like a whole situation is really the gun to the head. You know what I mean? It's like much easier to say, oh, if like literally a single individual is holding a gun to my head, then, you know, you're compressing all the determinism into that one mm. person. Right. right? That's what they're, they're like. like the, yeah. So the no free will archetype, the, guy, so what, the dude with yeah. the gun holding yeah. it right at you. So what, so what they're doing is that they're saying that person holding the gun is the universe. <laughs> the yeah. whole, they are the entire universe, the entire cause of, of the, the compel, compulsion of this other person. But when you believe that you have a free will, you're believing that you are the universe. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but e e even in a very obvious situation like – I got a parking ticket because I parked at a fire hydrant. The fire hydrant was the cause of the parking ticket. But why did you park at the fire hydrant? What was there, you know, so you can't just go to the last domino. There's all the dominoes. But even if there's an obvious cause to why you got a parking ticket or I hit I hit this woman because I was drinking and driving. So I was driving poorly. Well, why did you feel the need to go drive you know, drinking and driving? That's a complex thing. So even if it's obvious what caused the accident, which is drinking, <laughs> So you could say, oh, the obvious deterministic domino is I drink a Budweiser light. Well, why did you drink? Why did you drink and drive? You know, well, my father beat me. Why did your you know, so even the last domino doesn't <laughs> yeah. mean anything. Yeah, because the even if it's obvious, even if it's obvious. Yeah, because the causal chain is endless. It, it has no beginning. Yeah. It has no end. <laughs> yeah, but you can point to the very last thing as the cause. But that has a million causes behind that. Exactly. So what makes very, this a very abstract topic. Because right. we can't actually... Well, no, because the stimulus that. stimulus response, people can say, well, the stimulus was this, my response was that, like, uh, it was raining, so I put up my umbrella, so that's a stimulus response, but still there's a reason why you picked that particular umbrella, or at that moment yeah. it started raining, and why you were outside, so it's not just the last stimulus that's to blame, it's the whole world, it's the whole universe, right, exactly. but there are and times where the last stimulus is very obvious. Yes, exactly. It's like there are times where you could like put it in a little vacuum like that and just say, OK, here's a simple cause. Here's a simple effect. Of yeah, that I got cause. a parking ticket because I parked at a hydrant. That's <laughs> obvious. But why did exactly. you have the idea that you could park at a hydrant? Well, why didn't the person yeah. who put the fire hydrant there get the ticket? <laughs> so the last obvious cause doesn't mean anything to me. It's just the last obvious. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't mean anything. Yeah. How are we doing as far as time, Chandler? Let's see. Well, or people say, why did you leave your wife? Well, she cheated on me. That's the cause. Oh, I'm good. <laughs> Am I good or what? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, we're just so under like, an, yeah. We're just under an hour. <laughs> all right, so so like, should we wrap say, it why'd up? You, why'd you get divorced? My wife cheated on me. That's the cause. That's the. That's not the cause. That's not the last cause. The last. Oh, you can cause. you can go back for decades with that one. <laughs> oh, right. I know. And yeah, I know. I mean, seriously, we can go on forever. I suppose that eventually, at some point, we'll have to end this conversation. And I've got I've got three programs running, and I know that two of them have worked reliably for me. So so the, all the audio of what we of what we've been saying all this time should be recorded. And if I find out the recording was successful, 
I, I'm gonna like be uploading this, you know, because because I try to I try to trim off, you know, the before we started the actual episode, we trim that off, trim off the extra end stuff that we don't we're not and talking Chandler, about. Who's who's listening to these audio podcasts? How many people, and do you have any idea who's logging in and listening? Well, it's hard to know because I I put. 15 of them on my YouTube channel and I think George has put some on his and stuff and then they and then also there's the link on archive.org so I can kind of see like how many people have downloaded on archive.org or it might tell me how many people have viewed the video on YouTube um, so I can kind of get a basic idea of how many people have watched it. Is it always the same people or are you getting a new audience or you don't know who's watching, just the numbers? Right, right. We have no idea unless they comment or something like that to let us know. So it'll just say like 26 views. It won't say their names. There's no logging in or anything. So my computer's going to die in like 10 minutes. I'm thinking um, when we upload the audio, we like edit out the last 10 minutes of technical stuff and uh, maybe we sum it up now. Okay, yeah, well, we hope you've enjoyed this episode of Free Will, Science, and Religion and the crazy stuff we've been talking about. I guess we'll see you in future episodes. Well, actually, we won't see you. You'll be hearing us. Never mind. Okay, I guess, that, guess that's good. All right. <laughs> that I hope way, everyone gets and, the uh, aha moment where they finally get it, and it's for the betterment. Uh, you won't feel like such a failure if you fail at something because your will was not free. So thank you very much. And also check out uh, the illusion of free will live or no free will live, whatever it's called. Nick show at free, uh, Wednesday, <laughs> Wednesday night. Free will question mark. Free will question mark. That's it. At 11 o'clock uh, Eastern Standard Time if you live in New York.